So I'm Sophie Banks and I work for Transition Network. Uh, I hold a, a role around supporting inner transition within Transition Network and for the movement. And uh, I'm sure you get asked the question lots of times, but how would you describe inner transition? What's inner transition for you? Yeah, so uh, somebody in Canada just recently, uh, I gave a talk about inner transition and he said, what I want from the talk is, like, what's the most succinct story? What's the equals MC squared of inner transition? And the way that I'm talking about that at the moment is to say the sort of absolute core of inner transition is uh, in our groups, in within ourselves, in our relationships, in what we're doing in our communities, how can we be creating a culture that supports us to be in a state of feeling resourced, feeling empowered, feeling seen and appreciated, um, with the understanding that when we have those kind of external conditions we ourselves find ourselves in a state where we're the most open to new ideas, the most open to connection, the most able to build relationships with people who are different from us. You know, so, so that's the kind of core of it, is to understand that internally we can be in different inner states, we can be in a state where we feel stressed and closed and, um, you know... Uh, driven or whatever or we can be in a state where we're kind of open and creative and learning and available um, so so that's one way of framing in a transition how do we keep recreating that um, and part of it I think is when we're in that state of being open and creative and connected with each other and with ourselves we make the best decisions isn't it? We're able to take the longest and the widest view. We're able to kind of see the consequences of what we do. So, so there's also something which has really been resonating for me about that's not only the process we need for transition, that's the end state we want to get to, mm. isn't it? And part of what's not working in our culture is that lots of the people with a lot of power who are making really key decisions are in a state of constant stress and pressure and having to make very narrow decisions, you know, I mean, decisions focused on very narrow kind of viewpoints. And I remember you know, quite early on in the discussions and the whole process around in the transition emerging was, was a sense that uh, looking at other change movements before then, particularly the environmental uh, movement, that there was a real kind of absence of any of that sort of stuff. It was very kind of must do, must do, must keep going for the sake of mm. planet and sort mm. of dragging the green crucifix up the hill, you know. Uh, what's your sense of, uh, of what transition does differently from, from sort of activist campaigning things in the past? What lessons do you feel we've learned from, from some of those approaches? I think in its best form, uh, transition transition kind of integrates, you know, lots that uh, those social change and environmental change movements have learnt about how to do the doing of, of change, alongside, you know, the huge amount of insight and understanding about how humans work that's come from all the kind of inner work traditions, so... And there's such a raft of them, isn't it? We have such a wealth of those traditions and their teachings now from, you know, 
the, the kind of immensely detailed, long practice spiritual traditions like, you know, Buddhism or, um, I mean, even Christianity, you know, that teach us about relationship and good relationship and healthy community. Quaker is another fantastic example. To psychology that teach us about unconscious and how the unconscious works through us to create patterns that we don't really intend and unintended consequences. To all the kind of neuroscience that I think is really fascinating. That's that's you know year by year, even since we started transition, is showing us how we have mirror neurons that mean that you know what you feel and express is what I feel and express. How much we're wired up to be interconnected with each other, um, and how stress works in our bodies. How stress uh, stress that we're not dealing with both paralyzes and kind of overactivates us. You know, it's like we've got such a wealth of those things. So for me, it feels very exciting in transition, and and in a transition feels like it sits right on that edge of putting together those. Two, you know, are essentially two huge movements for change. One focusing on inner, one focusing on outer. And I remember in the really early days, I talked to Hillary, who kind of, you know, was the originator of the idea, wasn't it? It was she who came and talked to you about the psychology of change group. About we had this dream for a workshop where we'd get all the activists that are full on working out in the world to come and look at their own personal stuff and what's going on for them in there and what might be you know, not always conscious about the drivers for their for their work and tendency to overwork and burn out, um, for instance, and to get all the people that are deeply engaged in personal work, you know, with that kind of, isn't it the cliche, can we get them off their cushions, you know, and kind of looking at their, their personal development stuff and how does that connect with what's going on at the planet and the planet and, and how might their personal behaviour be contributing to problems at that level of scale. So to kind of put those two groups together, but it feels like that's exactly what Inner Transition mm-hmm. tries, to, tries to do and to take the best, of, the best of all of that to make something with greater wisdom. And what for you does it look like when a, when a transition initiative is doing Inner Transition well? Mm. How, how would you, you know? Was there that thing when people come to Tottenham to see transitioning, or I can't see anything? What's going on? You know, what, what would it, what would you see in, in in a transition group that was actually working with this stuff in a in a, way, a successful way? Do you think? I think you'd see it in the quality of people's meetings. That you would see meetings where people feel relaxed, uh, where. You know, even if some meetings feel pushed for time, the tendency is for meetings to feel spacious enough that people enjoy them, um, they feel connected with each other, that within how the group spends time together, there's some time for relaxation and being sociable together, and there's time also for developing how the group is working. So there's time to reflect on the group's kind of structures and process. Um, you know, how, how do we hold meetings? How are we dealing with differences? Um, and I think you'd see events that are celebratory, that are not about building and doing things, that are about celebrating either what you've done and built or just celebrating the beauty and the wonder of this amazing planet that we live on or the, you know, the wonder and the beauty and the incredible things that go on in our communities. Um, so there'd be a kind of culture of celebration and appreciation of each other in our world. Um, and I think there would be places where people are still and reflective long enough to kind of deepen into their own experience. What's it like to be alive in these times? What are the feelings that come up for me? How's that in my body? 
Um, so we're kind of, we're using all of our senses to be kind of alive and aware of the times that we're living through. Um, you know, and that might be workshops and it might be events, you know, it might be speaker events, it might be films, it might be facilitated discussions after powerful films that show us images of things that are happening in our world. So there's a sense of kind of roundedness of, you know, that all of us as humans are, are, are needed in this process of transition and we don't have to leave our feelings out or leave our friendliness out because we're too busy, you know, and something's more important than, than, than being kind of whole and, yeah, all of who we are. And again, it feels like that's the kind of... Isn't it? That's the kind of model of, of, of the future, isn't it? It's like that's what I think we want to live as human beings. Um, and what in a lot of places we, we don't really get the opportunities to, especially in organisations. Mm. You know, our culture at work is often, you know, somebody once told me that kind of the tie, you know, that sense, the tie is, the, is a kind of image for cutting off everything below our heads and leaving that at home. So all that you bring into work is your head and your thinking capacity. Mm. And, you know, for some people it will be their physical, you know, physical strength. Um, but there's something, you know, there's a good question for me. How do we make workplaces and organisations where we bring all of our wisdom? I think there's some really interesting, mm. really interesting work going on around that. And you've been involved with, with in the transition stuff in, in, in transition to Tottenham from, from the start. Are there a couple of events or moments that kind of stand out as real peaks or moments of insight for you during that time? Uh, there's, there's so many things that we've done. Um, one of the things that, that really stood out for me was uh, we had Marianne Williamson come and talk very early on and... Uh, I mean, we've had some, fun, you know, lots of powerful speakers, but she just she raised some really, I thought, profound questions about how change happens and the nature of a movement. So I remember one of the things she said <clears throat> is that is that one one model for understanding how how movements spread is that they push at the edges, so they broaden outwards. You know, and that, and I've had lots of conversations, and I've been in them myself about you know how do we do awareness raising and engagement where we involve more people, you know, by getting our message out. Mm. Um, and she said there's another dimension to spreading a movement, which is about the people at the centre deepening into the kind of the profound truth of the change that their movement seeks to bring about, and that if you have a really profound truth like the Buddha did you'll have a movement that draws many, many people and is enduring because mm. it, it speaks to something very profoundly true in people's mm. soul or heart or experience or something. And that's always really stayed with me as a question about so somebody in the centre of this movement. It's like, how do I keep deepening my inquiry into what transition is uh, and find it at different parts of, of my experience and my kind of life? And, and the other thing that I think we've done that, that I think has been really interesting, we've done well in Totnes is, you know, we're very lucky here to have so many kind of interested people with therapy and supervision skills uh, and mentoring skills. And, you know, it's very difficult to measure, but, um, and, and again, like you said, it's hard to see, but, but I think it's been really helpful for people involved at the centre of Transition Town Totnes and also Transition Network. The mentoring, the mentoring scheme. scheme here to have free, ongoing, one-to-one -one support of a professional 
quality and, and you know other places have done it through peer-to-peer support and that's also mm-hmm. fantastic um, but I've seen people really transform their practice mm-hmm. and really um, feel supported in some of the edges of, of their activism through that scheme mm-hmm. you know and I'm curious if, if it's like we've had quite a low rate of burnout in Totnes mm-hmm. how much that scheme's helped mm-hmm. I know it's helped me yeah, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. One of the so. one of the one of the expressions you've been using increasingly over the last couple of years is about a healthy human culture, uh-huh. and this idea that actually that that's ultimately that's ultimately the aim of of uh, transition is to enable that and to create that. What 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 does that mean? How, how can you define a healthy human culture? Uh, I got so this is where my inquiry um, kind of took me. Uh, I got really interested in in. Seeing, uh, seeing kind of polarities and and dualities, you know. I mean, it's, you know, people have been doing that for centuries, haven't they? About um, our culture and calling it dualistic. Um, and I came across Rian Eisler's work. So she talks about there are basically two kinds of human culture. So one is based on partnership, and one is based on domination. Um, and I, I, I just got really interested in that and the question. You know, what's what if that's true? It's a big p- proposition. If that's true, what's underneath that? And what is it about what goes on inside us, like the way that we're constructed, you know, the way we've evolved, um, that causes that to be so? It's like there are these two kind of stable states. Uh, and I feel like, you know, I, I've been looking at, at lots of different territories. I'm really interested in trauma and how that affects us in the creation of the unconscious that comes through trauma, this whole thing about how we create unintended consequences. You know, the idea that anybody could have sat down and designed the consequences that we're living with, you know, is inconceivable, you know, however dysfunctional people were and however much they're kind of interested in wealth or power or anything. Um... I just don't believe that anybody intended it to be like this. It's like, how do we get this mm. as a byproduct of something that's natural and, um, you know, just just who who we are, how we've evolved to be? And I, so, so for me, the question around healthy human culture is that question: What are the inner? What's the inner state of a culture that creates partnership, learns to live within its resources? that's oriented towards joyful, pleasurable existence, that believes in a kind of... um, that has a belief about ourselves as humans that we're trustworthy and generous and, you know, we want good good things for the future, good things for our children, you know, that I see very, very strongly. And in, in a lot of the depth work that I've done, what I see is that when you peel away all of the damage, what you find is a profound and, you know... Yeah, I can say universally, in my experience, I haven't worked with, you know, the psychopaths and the kind of most damaged people, but that kind of sense that if we're healed and whole, what we want is to love each other and do good in the world, mm. you know. And 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 then there's other there's another state we can be in, which and, and it feels like it comes back to that first question, where we feel under-resourced, disempowered, under attack, you know, there's not enough. Um, and I'm taught that other people are selfish, violent and greedy, so I need to fight for what I can get in order to have status. I've got to have stuff, I've got to prove myself. 
Um, and with that, for me, goes a whole lot of very difficult feelings. I'm really interested in that idea that in unhealthy culture, we have a whole lot of unmanageable feelings centred around shame and not being good enough that we then, you know, disown. I can't deal with that in myself. I'll put it onto you. I'll find some, somebody else to have that experience and then I'll watch it in them and feel okay about myself. And I think it's really interesting to look at cultures of domination and colonialism and capitalism and power over as being driven by the need to not feel stuff myself but grab enough power that I can do that to somebody else you know the whole driver for those things is a psychological state of splitting and projection you know and and then you know when I bring that back kind of to me and to what culture do I create in my relationships and my groups you know, it feels like that's a that's a very, you know, I see it out in those big systems in the world, but it's also a very precise way of understanding and kind of discerning what culture do I make in this room with these people mm-hmm. around splitting and projection or unity. Um, you know, so that's quite quite a big answer. The short answer is healthy human culture is that one where we feel resourced, empowered, connected, appreciated and safe Um, and that if we have you know those seem to be the five things if we have those we we are in that state of openness and uh, availability and learning and connection and receptivity and then taking good action instead of action that you know that creates a problem somewhere else in the system you know it creates a space we can flourish in yeah flourishing is a great word it's a great word and and those you know, so I've been kind of looking, it's like, you know, I'm aware of my kind of engineering training. You know, if you look at all of that with an engineering hat on, what are the characteristics, what are the key things that order the system towards health? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I know some of them now, or I've got my theories, yeah. you know, about what some of them are. You know, and one of them is is if you have power, how do you use it? So the abuse of power is very, very quickly a... Uh, characteristic that will lead to, you know, bad reality, deteriorating mm. human culture. Um, so that, so isn't it one of the kind of governing things, governing principles of healthy human culture is that with power goes responsibility and accountability, and that the more power and wealth you have, the more you're responsible for other people's well-being, isn't it? And we can see in our culture how much we've lost that sense Absolutely. that people have wealth with no sense of responsibility and how incredibly damaging it is you know because then people internalize that experience of power without Mm -hmm. responsibility and you either become a victim of power or you try to grab as much of it to wield it yourself Mm -hmm. and it's very difficult to come out of that once that's the pattern Mm. the theme for this month has been the power of just doing stuff there's one other bit that I'd like to say, you know, which, which is about, in, in terms of what I see in our culture, in Western culture, what I think is we have a real mix of those two systems. So I think it's really difficult to put us into one or other camp, you know. So it's not that, yeah, it's not that, they're, that as human beings we're, these are fixed states and we inhabit one or the other. Um, and, and I really 
this idea that it's not about fixed states and end states and where are we trying to get to, it's about process and what do we create in each moment. So I think most of us have the capacity for both of those within us in each meeting, in each conversation and in each action and in what we do to ourselves. So it's a, it's a continual recreation. You know, healthy human culture is a continuing recreation of the conditions for health. Mm. You know, it's not, oh, we're going to get there one day and then it will be done. And, and we just have that choice all the time, isn't it? And what do we see out there? And again, we can choose in what we see. Do we see, you know, goodness, generosity? Is that what we see reflecting back to us? Or do we see the violence and selfishness and greed? You know, so what our news tells us is disastrous in terms of supporting the goodness in our society. So, yeah. So the power of just doing stuff has yeah. been the theme of the posts this month. And uh, what's the balance between doing stuff and not doing stuff? Is, is, is the idea that the power of not doing stuff is as important as the power of doing stuff? What's your, what's your take on that? That's great. Uh, one of the phrases that's really ringing around my head at the moment is burnout is not a side issue. It's kind of burnout is not a side issue mm. for something like transition. Um, and I guess one of, the, uh, one of the features of inner transition or one of the characteristics of it is seeing how, the di- how dynamics you know, are parallel across different levels of scale and out inner and outer parts of the system. Uh, so as always, this is quite a big answer. But if we look at burnout, you know, burnout is about I give more than I'm re, re, uh, recharging within myself. You know, I'm constantly putting out and giving energy and supporting things and doing things and I'm not resting enough, I'm not replenishing myself. Mm. And it's exactly what we're doing to the planet, mm. isn't it? So that sense that if we're addressing... Um, a global system that is depleting the planet, that is taking more than it puts back, that isn't allowing time for natural systems to replenish and um, revitalise themselves. If that's what we're doing in our movement to ourselves, that's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. You know, and we can see the kind of parallel dynamic. So for me, the issue of burnout is absolutely central to any movement that seeks to create, create positive change. Mm-hmm. And whether we are working sustainably and creating a culture of sustainability within our groups is, is, is not a side issue. You know, it's central to what we're doing. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, I think all the wisdom traditions, all the kind of places that have created healthy, healthy culture, see and reinforce and teach and model and, you know, um, come back to a sense of a healthy human life is action, outward doing, movement, you know, uh, completion, celebration, da-da-da-da, slowing down, harvesting, stillness, moving inwards, reflection, learning, deepening, uh, questioning, stop, Mm. (sighs) nothing. Oh, enough of that, and now I'm orienting towards outer again, dreaming, mm. beginning to sow seeds, uh, inquiring together, sharing, shaping, gathering resources, momentum building. You know, isn't it? It's like there's outward. Oh, there we go again, and we can see those cycles so clearly in nature. 
isn't it about summer and winter and mm. seasons or day and night and I th- and I think it's you know I think one of the symptoms of unhealthy human culture and dominating culture is that though the two parts of that cycle get split mm. and we get either very identified with doing or very identified with being passive mm. and stuck and I think it's interesting that those are two neurological responses to trauma and stress you know is fight flight is one of them and freeze is another one and it's almost as if you can see you know, we're sort of patterned into getting stuck into fight flight or stuck into frozen, mm. uh, you know, and, and, and the pattern of going, we work so, so, you know, we work really, really, really hard and then we burn out and then we're, you know, we can't do anything for months or possibly years. It's a way of, it's a very extreme version of that. Um, so I think, yeah, I think rest is important and all of those qualities of rest, isn't it? How do I nourish myself? How do we nourish ourselves? How do we reflect? How do we celebrate? How do we, how do we get to emptiness? How do we start dreaming? Mm. You know, how do, what, what's our next bit of vision? And to allow time for all of that is really challenging, isn't it? It's part, part of why it's, it's a natural, it's really easy to get to burnout is the issues are so huge, you know, so many people aren't doing anything and it's really, really urgent. So, you know, I think we need to be easy on ourselves. I do it. You know, I find that balance incredibly challenging within myself mm. to stay not caught in too much doing and then and then exhaustion. So it's really important to see how easy that is and how natural a response it is. So if people yeah. are if people are reading this and about to take some of August off what would you what would your suggestion be if they're wanting to sort of come back in September and be of best service to transition in the place where they live? Any things that they should other than just n- not do anything to do with transition? <laughs> should they any reflection or anything that they could do that might serve that or best uh, to just turn yeah. it off altogether? The thing that I find most helpful is is to have somebody ask me the question, what's restful for you? When, you know, when I've been doing a lot of work. And that may change from day to day. You know, sometimes it's to sit in nature. Sometimes it's to be active. You know, sometimes it's to read a good book about transition. Sometimes it's to just, you know, go and watch football or do something completely different. So so I think to be, a, isn't it, just to be inquiring, what do I need right now? What's out of balance? Mm. What's restorative? Uh, you know, what's my way of nourishing myself? And, and, yeah, be alive to whatever that is in that moment. Okay. When we come back again and everything starts again in September, what does the, what, what does the new season from a football perspective hold for you and for in the transition? Um, there's going to be another inner transition workshop in London in September, uh, and that's been a really interesting uh, kind of journey to put that together. So if anyone's interested in kind of deepening into questions and sitting with other people that are interested in what is in a transition, that's a really good space to do that. Uh, we've had really great international groups meeting in London, um, exploring questions together. Um, we're looking at, because we have some funding for a transition, um, through Transition Network, we're looking at um, either offering 
um, support sessions for, for initiatives that want to explore inner transition a bit more or get together with other local initiatives, you know, other neighbours and say, you know, how can we support this part of our work a bit more? Like, I have availability to do that, so I'd love to hear from groups that are interested right. in that. Um, and we're kind of dreaming, is there something that we could do that would be um, something a bit more deliberately international, maybe in Europe? Um, to run either to run the two-day workshop or something else um, so yeah we might run it up up north as well we're looking at running it in the north of England and I've started blogging on transitionnetwork.org mm -hmm. so I'm in the kind of blog sphere now <laughs> finally so yeah I'll be writing about things like some of these questions and burnout and there is a healthy human culture website as well I'm not sure if I'm going to let you let that out yet, but <laughs> <laughs> just leave that out.